I decided after my wife passed away that uh, that I needed I needed something different. I needed to um, I needed to rededicate myself uh, just to show everybody in, in in our family or everybody that that I uh, that I was serious about my relationship with Christ. It's a it's a public thing. I wanted I wanted all of my peers. I wanted all of my family, uh, all of my friends, uh, to see that uh, you know this this old guy is still rough around the edges. I want everybody to know that that uh, you know I'm a I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and uh, that's the way that I chose to live my life. Um, I gave my life to Christ when I was really young, went to church all the time, but I didn't really have a full understanding of it. So now it's like I'm re-giving my new life to Christ because I've gone through things and stuff like that. And so I'm just, I'm pretty excited about it. It's like a, a weight gets lifted off your shoulders when you, when you do that. Getting baptized, it's a big deal, but it is truly like the most amazing thing that you can do. I think as Christians, we try to be what we think is supposed to be perfect and be this cookie cutter thing for everybody and people don't know we have our own problems and we feel alone a lot of the times but getting baptized you truly understand that God's beside you you don't have to just feel alone in that moment he's just always there and he's just you know he gives you that comfort Hello, Cross Timbers family, and welcome to episode eight of CT Conversations. My name is Ian Harbour, and today I am talking with our Argyle campus pastor, Josiah Anthony. This weekend was baptism weekend, and I love baptism weekend because when we here at Cross Timbers talk about following Jesus and finding freedom, there is no better picture of that than baptism, where we die to our sins and we are raised in new life with Christ. The only way to find true freedom is by following Jesus and baptism is the best picture we have of what that looks like. So today, Josiah and I are going to be talking about the things that keep us from taking our next steps and following Jesus, whether that's baptism or anything else. If there's so much freedom for us, why do we not pursue it? So I think you're going to love this conversation. I hope it is helpful and meaningful to you. And I will see you on the other side to wrap us up. But until then, enjoy. Yeah, so I'm sitting here with Josiah Anthony, our Argyle campus pastor. How are you doing today, Josiah? Doing good. Thanks for having me, Ian. Good, good. And we, uh, we so this weekend was our baptism weekend, mm-hmm. and we baptized, I heard, I don't know the final number, but I heard across all of our campuses, it was over 60 people. Yeah, that sounds about right. And that's incredible. Yeah, I, I yeah. love baptism weekend because it's such yeah. a celebration of Absolutely. just new life in Christ. Yeah. And um I don't know. Do you have any awesome stories that yeah. you heard from this weekend about You know, baptism? I just, 
what I'll say about baptism weekends is we we do four a year, and um, we really take it as an opportunity to just not only celebrate the life change, but to really share our heart here at Cross Timbers. I mean, baptism weekend is a, is the um, is really the center of who we are and what we're all about. We're all about life change and meeting people where they're at and seeing them take their next step in their spiritual journey. And so I'm super grateful to be at a church as well that's seen life change and getting to baptize 60 people in a weekend. I mean, that's incredible to be at a local church that's getting to see that much life change and then get to see that four times a year. Mm-hmm. I just feel incredibly blessed. So it's a it's always a really good weekend. It's a good weekend to share our heart and let people see what we're all about. It's a good weekend to celebrate the life change of those who are taking their next step. So overall, it's just really, really fun to be a part of. Yeah, I love it because I mean, that's, and especially that it's four times a year. And so this sort of people building up between those times, you know, and then right. all on one day, you just see all these stories of, I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's it's easy to get kind of down in the weeds and lose sight of like, man, why are we here? What are, why Absolutely. are we doing what we're doing? Yeah, especially but, when you're on our end of things and, you yeah. know, every week is about planning out the logistics of a service. And then even before the Sunday service, we're having meetings to make sure that worship is all set. And it's just, it's good to stop and go, man, uh, with all the details that we got to plan out, let's remember what this is really about. And that's seeing life change and seeing God transform people. And so baptism is just a beautiful picture of that. It's huge. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So I want to hop into your message because uh, you and all of our campus pastors taught at our campuses this yep. weekend. And the the message that you preached um, was about the things that keep us from taking our next steps and following right. Jesus, which is perfect because baptism is like a that's great right. next step yeah. for people. That's right. But there's, there's so many other things in, and there's a lot of things that stand in the way of us taking our next steps. Yeah. And the two that you pointed out were our past in our present, right. our past story that the, there's something there that's keeping us from taking a next step. And then our present, the, the circumstances that we're in mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody had a past that would keep them from following Jesus, it's Paul because right. he right. was killing the followers of Jesus. Right. I mean, this right. man, he was too, a murderer. He was a terrorist. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. you know, and he uh, called himself the worst sinner in first Timothy, the worst of them all. Yeah. You know? And I mean, he was so steeped in, uh, uh, you know, another religious yeah. system that would see Jesus as a false teacher. Right. And right. I mean, there were so many barriers between him and following Jesus, yeah. Yeah. but on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus and his mm-hmm. life totally changed around. What, it, was it not just in his circumstances, but deep in Paul's heart that changed that changed his life yeah. and went from someone killing followers of Jesus to becoming right. a follower of Jesus and not just a follower of Jesus, but the one who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Right. He he had an encounter with Jesus and his life did a complete one eighty. He yeah. completely repented. And so, the way that I see that is like you know, there's a lot of people that had encounters with Jesus when he was here and their life never changed. Mm-hmm. There's still people today who have quote unquote encounters with Jesus or they know who Jesus is or they've heard of Jesus, but yet they never change their life around. And so why did Saul, who was a terrible person, murdering Christians, have an encounter with Jesus? What was what happened on the road to Damascus that completely changed his life? And I believe that what happened was he saw Jesus for who he truly was. Hmm. So he got a glimpse of Jesus Christ and who he truly was in all of his glory. And you know, whenever we see Jesus for who he truly is, mm-hmm. then that immediately leads 
to life change. It has to leave a life change. You cannot see Jesus in his true identity and all of his glory and not have life change. You know, it leads to repentance because it really comes down to, to me, um, an identity issue. Hmm. It's like when you see Jesus for who he is, then you see yourself for who you are. Explain that. Why is it like when you see Jesus, you see yourself? I yeah. mean, why Because is that you're, when you see Jesus for who he is as a loving, merciful, grace-filled father, who who is um, you know lo- who is willing to lay down his life for you? Then you see yourself as someone who is missing a huge part of what you need, and that's Jesus Christ, right? And so mm-hmm. you see yourself as a sinner in need. And so when you see God for who He is, you're able to see yourself for who you are. And when you see yourself for who you really are, there is no other conclusion you can come to besides that I need Jesus Christ in my life. I love that. It's, it's like what James says when he talks about going to, like looking in the word and it's like a mirror and you see yourself. Right. And the, the people who don't do the word are the people who walk away and forget what they look like. That's but right. The people who do the word are the ones that they look in the mirror and they, and they see Christ in yeah. there. And I love yeah. that because, I mean, yeah. we all... I think it's easy to walk around and just see life through our own lenses, right. you know? But yeah. when we look at Jesus, it he reflects us back to ourselves. That's right. In a lot of ways. Yep. And we see that we don't measure up to how Jesus right. is and that we can only have true life and true freedom yeah. through him. So Yeah, I mean, it's real. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? And absolutely. it's the glory of God that shows that we have fallen short. And so mm-hmm. when we see the glory of God and see God for who he truly is, mm-hmm. that's when and only when we realize that we fall short. Yeah, and I, it's so crazy too, because I think, you know, with Paul, he not only... The, you know, the reason, of course, that he was going around killing Christians is because he thought that they were following a false <laughs> God at the yeah. time, you know, because he was so, I mean, he was, uh, he says in Philippians 3 that he was the Pharisee of Pharisees, That's right. you know, like he probably had the whole first five books of our Old Testament memorized right. and he was Which deep is in it. funny to me Which because in, in something I talked about yesterday was... Uh, he had great intentions. Yeah. He had great intentions, mm. right? He thought he was doing the Lord's work yeah. by going and stopping the movement of Jesus Christ. And mm. so I think a lot of times I look at the story of Saul and I think to myself, man, maybe I relate to Saul more than I do Ananias. And I have mm. really good intentions, uh, but ultimately I'm not doing anything to move forward the gospel. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. But I just think, I think we all have good intentions, just like Saul had good intentions. I think a lot of times we have, we all have good intentions. Um, but then I talked about, you know, James talking about it's, it's uh, faith without action is dead and you can have all the good intentions you want in the world. Hmm. Um, but if you aren't taking actions and, and steps and it really means nothing, it's Andy Stanley said that it's direction, not intention that determines your destination. Yeah. And so I just think that's interesting, you know, to think about how we all have really good intentions, but it's really not the intentions that matter. Yeah. Well, and that's a really tough thing too. I mean, I think it's hard. It's, it's, or it's easy to confuse what we mean by intentions and beliefs, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously we're saved by grace through right. faith. Uh, but there is this level of your faith is proven through what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. you want to know what I believe, don't look at what mm-hmm. I say, mm-hmm. look at what I do. Mm-hmm. Like my beliefs are revealed through right. my actions, right. you know? And right. so I think that's tough because it gets to that point of belief isn't necessarily this head thing. Right. You can 
you can have all the right answers, but it's about your heart being transformed. Right. And it's not a it's not a work based philosophy. Right. It's not a work based theology. It's no, that that your faith and your works is an overflow of your faith. And so, mm-hmm. if you're not seeing overflow, the answer isn't to go work more. It's man, are, is your faith where it really needs to be? Because if you have the faith in Christ, then uh, the works are an overflow to what you believe, right? Right. You always your your body's always following your heart, mm-hmm. you know. And so, where is your heart? I think that's where right. looking at intention, intentions is important. But I think sometimes we act before we ever consider Absolutely. those things. Yeah. yeah. So you were talking about so um, not only does our our past, it's our past that holds us back, you yeah. know. And we're talking yeah. about Paul's past. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we have these experiences in our lives Mm -hmm. where um, what we believe God has promised us does Mm -hmm. not line up with what (laughs) we're going through. And um, I love that even the passage you use with Ananias and everything. And I think you read from the message translation. Yeah, I did. And he's like, you know, God tells him to go talk to Saul. Right, right gonna kill him he thinks right and so he's literally like master are you serious you know like you can't you gotta be kidding me yeah Yeah, you know and i think we all do that at times because we look around and we go this is not what i thought your plan was well what happened was you know saul or or ananias what he saw was that saul was killing christians so he knew saul as a christian murdering you know, cold-blooded killer. And what God was promising was that Saul was going to be Paul and one of God's personal representatives to really everybody is mm-hmm. what it says. The Jews and the non-Jews, that pretty much sums up everybody. <laughs> that was everybody right there. And so, yeah. uh, you know, and so it, what, what Ananias had experienced in life was different than what God was promising. Mm-hmm. And so Ananias had a choice to make. Am I going to lean on my own understanding of what I've seen with my own eyes? Or am I going to trust that God has a bigger, better plan in the future? Yeah. And you're exactly right, Ian. It's like a lot of times in life, our experiences don't seem to line up with what God is promising. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But the first question I always ask myself whenever I face a circumstance where it seems like my experience or what I'm seeing is not lining up with what God God is promising. Mm-hmm. Is it, I ask my question this, is it that God is promising something different or is it that I'm expecting the process to be different than what God is, is expecting? You know, is mm-hmm. God have a different process than me? Because yeah. a lot of times when I dig deeper into it, it's not the promise that I'm upset about or the, the missing element. It's that God's just chosen to do some, something in a different way than I expected him to do it. Yeah. And so I equate that that God is an answer in my prayers or that God is doing something different than what I've experienced when really God is going, no, I'm just choosing to do this a much different way than you ever expected me to do it. And I think when we open up our heart and allow God to, God doesn't need any more navigators. He needs followers, <laughs> right. right? He yeah. doesn't need us to help him figure out how to get to the promise that he promised us. He just, he needs us to, to follow him. And so um, I think that's, that's the first question I always ask myself whenever I feel like my experiences is different than God's promises. Is it is that true? Or is it that God is just choosing to use a different process than I want him to use or that I expected him to use? And that's kind of a gut check for me. And that, I feel like that's always how it works is we think we know it's best for us. And <laughs> right. God is like, my ways aren't your yeah, ways. Right. You know, and he, and this, this plays beautifully into this journey that we're going through as a church through 40 yeah, of right. this theme of the wilderness out of slavery and into freedom, into the promised lands. 
yeah, you're going to get to the promised land, but it, you're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness Absolutely. first. And it's not what they would have chosen. Well, you even but, look at the route they take. What happens is God says, I'm going to send you to the promised land. Mm-hmm. And then immediately we say, oh, okay, this is how we're going to get there. <laughs> this is the steps I'm going to take. Yeah, and, and even with the Israelites, God said, no, I'm not going to take you even the shortest route from A to B. I'm going to take you the long route. And the reason he did that is because they were going to face war and tribulation and all this other stuff. And they would have been discouraged and turned around and went back to Egypt. Mm -hmm. So God had a purpose and a plan for that. But in our minds, whatever the circumstance we're facing, God says, I have a promise for you. And we immediately, our human selves say, well, then you're going to get us there this way. Mm -hmm. And that may not be true. And so we get frustrated in the process. And as God's promises are true and they're going to stand and they're always going to come true, we just have to be okay with God doing it a different way than we expected him to do it. And I think a lot of the times it comes from a place of feeling like the end goal is the end of it all. You know what I mean? But really right. a lot of it is about the process and who you become on the journey. Absolutely. Sanctification, yeah. exactly. Yep. And that's what you know. Paul said in Philippians 3. He says, I'm not there yet. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to strive for the goal, yeah. but I'm not there yet. I haven't attained anything. I'm just going to keep striving. And, and really we aren't going to obtain it until we get to be with the Lord in heaven. But the end goal is, is sanctification through it. It's him growing us and making us better followers. And mm-hmm. so the journey is the process, it is the goal, right? Yeah, and it's all about who we become and that's the way that that happens. That's right. That's and right. I would love to hear from you, Josiah. I mean, talking about these experiences that we have that that are so confusing and lead us through sure. the wilderness and don't line up with God's promises. I would love to hear from you yeah. some story in your life where you feel like that's been a reality that you've had to get through, that you've had to navigate, that was hard for you in the time and not at all how you would have done it, but looking back, that was God shaping you and forming you and taking you to his promise for your life. Right, right. Well, I, uh, you know, like growing up, I, I uh, uh, played baseball through high school and through college. And mm-hmm. I always felt like God had a promise on my life that I was gonna um, be able to influence people and lead people was something I always felt like he spoke over me. It was something that was constantly spoken over to me as a kid. Um, I was really competitive in baseball and uh, and through college. And so um, I always thought that I was gonna be influential and a leader in the realm of baseball. I had big hopes and dreams to go play professional baseball. And uh, come my senior year in college when I got hurt, um, and couldn't play anymore. My dreams were absolutely crushed. And so I, I really went into a state of depression because I felt like that everything uh, that was spoken over me and the promises of God all of a sudden came to a, a crashing halt. Hmm. And I really found myself um, with a lack of identity and, and feeling very, very lost. Through that whole process, um, you know, is when the Lord called me into ministry. Uh, and it was a long road to begin, but I found myself in in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, um, the summer after I was done playing baseball and really brokenhearted, I found myself in Nashville, Tennessee um, at a summer camp with a bunch of middle schoolers out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and really, I, was, I had a moment there during the summer camp where I just felt like the Lord said, it's not, it's not your way, it's my way. And uh, man, I... It, I was I would have never thought six months you know prior when I was in the the middle of baseball season that I was going to be in the forest with a bunch of sixth graders you know uh, teaching the word of God and playing goofy games and all these other things 
Um, and so it was just, it was a, it was a moment for me. There's more to that story that we probably don't have time to share, but it was a moment for me where I realized that God had a plan for my life. It was to be influential. It was to be a leader, but it was not the path that I thought I was going to take. And, uh, it was a lot more humbling than I, th- than I wanted it to be as yeah. well. Um, but ultimately I found more fulfillment, satisfaction, peace, and joy out of taking the route that the Lord had for me than it was my own plans. And so, um, so anyway, that's, that's probably, uh, one of the most real experiences I've had of of just the difference between his plan and my plan, his promises and my experiences um, were different. So it seems like a lot of the times, and I know I fall into this all the time. We have a dream for our own lives, and we sort of tell God about it and ask <laughs> yeah. him to put his stamp right. on it. You right. know, and maybe the seed of what is at the bottom of that dream is exactly what God has for us. But right. the way that it works out isn't it at all. And it takes God humbling us maybe through an, an injury <laughs> or yeah. something yeah. or, or um, a loss or um, just some transition that, just rocks us to our foundation in order to really take that seed of what he did actually put there, Mm -hmm. like being a leader and being influential and Mm -hmm. helping people's lives Mm -hmm. like it was for you, but in a way that we never expected it to be at all. And so I think it's just important to know that God does things his way, you know? And it's always, always, always for our good. Absolutely. Even in the middle of it when it doesn't look like it, but it's, um, is that, when our experiences don't line up with God's promises that we can have trust, like what you're saying, not mm-hmm. in our own understanding, but that God's ways are better than mm-hmm. our ways. Yeah, and that's, that's right. something that we can walk in. That's right. Yeah, I talked about some yesterday, just, you know, how do you how do you overcome these things? How do you overcome the obstacles that keep you from doing what God is asking you to do or, or take your next step? And um, it's really Proverbs 3, 5. It's trust the Lord your God with all, or, or I'm sorry, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Mm-hmm. And, um, that sounds really churchy and it kind of makes me mad sometimes when somebody <laughs> says, well, how do you overcome something? You just trust in God, you know, hmm. trust in God more, Ian, you know, it's like, so that easy. just it makes yeah. me want to punch you in the face, yeah. you know, but, uh, uh, that really is the answer is mm-hmm. it's, man, when, when, when you're having, um, experiences or past failures, that's keeping you from giving your heart to the Lord or, um, your current situation is keeping you from giving your heart to the Lord. It's like the answer is you trust God with all your heart. And the, the second part is probably most important. You lean not on your own understanding, you know, mm. and, um, that's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Cause but. we think we got it all figured that's out. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we got it figured out. <laughs> yeah. So I want to move on to your next point because obviously that was all talking about our past, which is right, huge. And we right. have to spend so much time there right. because we are the sum of our experiences in a lot of ways, but also our present. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> you know, every week I feel like in some way or another, I talk about living in America in 2018, <laughs> but it's important. It's yeah. good to know the cultural waters that we're swimming yeah, in. Yeah. And we live, I mean, even those of us who don't have a lot are still living better than yeah, people yeah, have yeah, ever lived in, yeah. in the history of the world. Yep. And you were talking about one of the things that keeps us from taking our next steps and following Jesus is literally our comfort. Yeah, that's right. So my second point to what I was teaching was the thing that keeps me from doing what God is asking me to do is the fact that um, I'm comfortable in yeah. life. I'm comfortable with my current life. And so um, the reality is, uh, that I am, um, you know, 
a middle-class guy living in Argyle, Texas in the year <laughs> 2018. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, you know, that is actually one of the biggest hurdles I will face as a follower of Jesus. Why? Because I'm comfortable with my current life. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with where I'm living. And I said yesterday that um, the reality is I could not do anything that the Lord is asking me to do. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up with a roof over my head, food on my table, and a family that loves me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm comfortable. And that oftentimes keeps me from being obedient to God and doing mm-hmm. what he's asking me to do, taking my next step. And I think it I think it stops me for a few reasons. And I understand it's kind of a sensitive subject. You know, I don't, first of all, I don't think it's bad to be comfortable. I don't right. think it's bad at all. I don't think it's either or. I don't think it's you choose comfort or you follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. My point to it yesterday was really that sometimes following God calls us to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And we need to be willing to follow Jesus even to the most uncomfortable places. And so that was my point yesterday talking about comfort, but having a great house, great car, that's that's not a bad thing. Um, but if it keeps you from trusting in Jesus, then that that's a bad thing, right? Yeah. And so why I think being comfortable can keep me from doing what God is asking me to do is really, you know, the comfortable in the, in the uh, sense of the word that we're using it today is a false sense of security. And mm. so we don't feel an urgency to change anything in our life because we live in a very comfortable culture. And so it's easier for someone who's hit rock bottom to give their life to God because they have nothing else in life. It's, It's their last resort. But when you're comfortable, right, and you're the social demographics or whatever you're in or your salary or um, whatever, you know, your circumstances are in, for, if you're comfortable in life, it's, it's hard to trust God because the thought is, well, why, why do I need Jesus? You know, why, what else do I need? You know, um, and so... Uh, you know, I just think that it doesn't, being comfortable doesn't give us a sense of urgency that God is asking us to have about Jesus, you know, and about him coming back. Yeah, I think it's easy to, you know, a lot of these provisions that we have in our lives, whether that's like a good family, good house, good car, food on the table every day, you know, like those are not bad things, obviously, like you said, but it's easy to take those things and as, the blessings and the gifts of God and just go, all right, I'm good. Don't need anything right, else. Right. When and it's a lot of what we what, you know, Toby's sermon last week and and what Chase and I were talking about last week too, is you can take God's good gifts and forget to worship the giver that gave them to you in the first place and think that life is all about (laughs) collecting Mm -hmm. these things and making sure that your life prospers. And that's not a bad thing, but it's not just about that. It's about um, becoming more and more like Jesus and um, making sure that all of us, the people of God are taken care of, you know? And yeah, we gotta be careful too as a church not to preach that Jesus is Santa Claus, you know, right. and that, that yeah. his job is to give us the gifts and the blessings and all of that. And then we get to just kind of bask in the goodness. And that's part of it. That's, you know, that's certainly part of God's blessings and, and mercy and grace that he gives us. And we want to enjoy the blessings that the Lord has given us, but there's also a sense of responsibility 
of being the local church and being the hands and feet of Jesus and going and making disciples and mm-hmm. and growing in our faith and and uh, becoming more like Christ mm-hmm. through all of that. And if that leads you into an uncomfortable situation, well, then so be it, you know. Mm-hmm. But we we need to love Jesus more than we love our current. Uh, our, our current lifestyle, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's what I told Mark 10. I, I talked about Mark 10 yesterday, the rich young ruler that came mm-hmm. to him and said, how do I obtain treasures in heaven? And Jesus said, sell all possessions and give it to the poor. It. Yeah. And it wasn't saying you got to require to be live a life of poverty to get to heaven. He was saying, if you want to step into the destiny and calling I have on your life, you need to be willing to follow me to the most uncomfortable places. When you're talking about the rich young ruler, I think this is something that's really important for us to learn because a, a lot of times when, we as a church are talking about generosity. Mm-hmm. When we say the word generosity, I know, and it's absolutely fair because there's been so many misuses of money by the church or by churches in the past. But when we say generosity, people jump to thinking, well, they just want our money. Right, right. And that's not true. And another group of people with uh, better intentions, like what you thought, and this is not a bad thing at all, um, go to, oh, I'll give to the church because I want to um, see good come out of what I gave. <laughs> yeah. And that's great too. That's not yeah. a bad thing. And I think you should want to see good come out of it. Right. But ultimately, generosity comes from a place of releasing our hearts from the control of comfort That's and right. money and, and right. saying that these aren't bad things. Yeah. These are gifts from God. But at the end of the day, if we're called to be uncomfortable, these things don't have a hold on me. Right. And generosity, sort of, honestly, sort of in a way that um, baptism is a picture of our salvation. That's right, And yeah. the Lord's Supper is a picture yeah. of our commitment to God. Yeah. Generosity yeah. is a way of saying, I'm not committed right. to my money, right. to these gifts or to my comfort. I'm committed to the Lord and whatever he yeah. calls me to yeah. do. So going back to Proverbs 3, 5, you know, when we say trust trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, you know, I go back to what is what does trusting God mean? What does that look like? And, yeah. you know, I ask that question all the time. What, what does it mean to trust God? For a lot of us, it means giving up control, right? Mm-hmm. We live in such a controlling uh, culture, you know? And, uh, and so... You know, it means giving up to control. And for a lot of us, even even more so, it means giving up control of something specific that's keeping us from giving God our whole heart. You know, yeah. love the Lord your God with all your heart. I love that. I love that all your heart, mm-hmm. you know, an emphasis on all because God wants all of it, right? Yeah. He wants He wants everything. He wants all the poker chips on the table. <laughs> and so, um, you know, if there's anything that's keeping us from giving God all of our heart, God is going to ask us to give that up to him. Yeah. And so um, for a lot of us, that can be money and that can be a salary or that can be, you know, a, a, a um, um, there's comfort yeah, or just, anything. You know, comfort. Yeah. And so uh, you're exactly right. Tithing and, and being generous, um, being a first fruits giver uh, is really a symbol of saying, Lord, not even my money is going to have a hold of my heart more than you have a hold of my heart. And so yeah. living with an open hand and not a closed fist is something we say a lot. Um, it's really just a symbol of, uh, of, of giving God everything. I think that's good. And and this ties it right back into where we were before. And I think it's a good place to, to land the plane is we can have all of the good intentions mm-hmm. in the world. We can want to follow Jesus more and we can want the freedom that he brings us, but it we can't do that just with intentions. Right. It, you have to step out in faith and be obedient in order to do that. 
why do you think we hang? And obviously it's our, it's our past and our present circumstances, like what we were talking about. Yeah. But why yeah. do we put so much faith in our intentions yeah. and because we yeah. want the right thing yeah. and that's not a bad thing, yeah. but we settle for intentions when God has so much freedom for us in obedience. Why do you right. think we do that? Right. Well, I think that, um, you know, I mean, I think the the easy answer is it's it's easier, right? It's the mm-hmm. same reason everybody sets their New Year's resolutions and then never completes their New Year's resolutions. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. <laughs> so true. And sometimes we don't talk about it enough that following Jesus is hard. Yeah, you know. And so we get sucked up in the the mentality that I don't know who said it first, but somebody at one time said that it's the thought that counts. And man, that's just not true. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. It's yeah. not the thought mm-hmm. that counts. But I think one of the reasons that we get um, we get caught up in just our good intentions is because we do not have a full understanding of exactly what you said, what the freedom will bring when we put our put action to our words. Mm-hmm. And the reality is God has a destiny for our life and God is wanting us to step into that destiny, step into that freedom, step into that purpose and that calling. And I think that um, for, for a lot of people, they've never trusted God enough to let go of what they know, let go of their comfort, let go of their past experience and follow God into the unknown. And so they've never experienced that freedom and that destiny. And so when we do that, that encourages us to take action more often. Mm. Um, but I think we settle for intentions because we don't understand or we have never experienced the true freedom that come with taking action. It's like living in a culture with so much convenience all around us. We've become accustomed to things coming easy and and things coming fast. And the truth is nothing in life comes easy. Nothing good in life just comes easy and fast. And, um, and Ian, this is, this is a fight, man. It's Mm -hmm. a fight. It's, it's, we are, we are in a spiritual battle, um, to fight against this mentality that um, it's going to be easy and everything's comfortable and God's, you know, just wants us to have convenience and all of that. And we really, we've got to fight against that, man. God has called for us to do more mm-hmm. and it's harder. It is harder. Yeah. And again, we don't talk about that enough, man. It's it's much harder lifestyle, um, but it's better. So if someone came to you and said, all right, I'm done with my good intentions. <laughs> I want to act out. I want to be obedient. I want to yeah. step out in faith and take yeah. my next steps. Yeah. What was, what would be some ways that yeah. you would say that they can start today <clears throat> yeah. listening to this podcast? Well, to be what obedient? I, I would say is, you know, one of my favorite things about the story of Ananias is that God wasn't asking Ananias to do something impossible. Mm. God wasn't asking Ananias to part the Red Sea or turn water into wine. God was asking Ananias to go have a conversation with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I just want that to set in for a second. It was, God was asking us to go literally talk to somebody. And so I think a lot of times for us, our next step in life or being obedient to the Lord isn't something huge. It's not something impossible. It's something small. Hmm. It's love your wife better. Be patient with your kids. Take more time off work and spend it with the family. Be more generous with your finances. Get baptized. You know, give your life to Jesus. It's small. It's simple. Mm -hmm but it requires a little bit of risk and it's gonna be uncomfortable. And so my word to anybody who's saying, I'm ready to take action, you know, it's kind of like, man, I'm glad you're there, but just know that, you know, taking action doesn't always mean 
you know, moving across seas and being a third world missionary. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that just means something really small, being encouraging in your workplace. And, uh, and so I would just tell them, great, you're ready to take action. Then start looking at the small things. Mm. Then start looking at the little things you can do. It is not an accident that you're in your corner of the world at this time. God has placed you here for a reason. He's placed you in your work environment for a reason. He's given you your gifts for a reason. And so if you're in a work environment and you have the gift of encouragement and you are realizing or seeing that your work environment is missing a culture of encouragement. Well, God has placed you there to be an encouraging word to everybody in your work environment. Mm -hmm. God hasn't gifted you like that and placed you in a work environment like that so you can leave, sell your house and move across the world. He's placed you there so that you can use your gifts and your your calling and your story to do exactly what he's created you to do. And so my word would say, man, start looking in the small things. Start, what can you do in your corner of the world, your home, your family, with your community that's gonna start making a difference? And that's what God is asking us to do. And if we all do that together, that's what being the body of Christ looks like. Man, I love that. Well, Josiah, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. And uh it was a ton of fun, and I can't wait to do it again. Cool, man. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. There you go. We are saved by believing in Jesus, but like Toby says, freedom comes from following him. Our lives belong to Jesus, and there is no better picture of that than baptism. Next week on our podcast, we are going to be doing something a little differently. I'm not going to tell you what it is because that would ruin the surprise, but I can tell you that it's going to be very special and you are going to love it. So make sure you tune back in next week. And also I want to remind you that if you are thinking about what your next step might be, Pathway just might be that. You can register on our website, crosstimberschurch.org pathway and get started in following Jesus, finding freedom, finding someone to know and something to do. It is a fantastic class where you can meet other great people. So I'd recommend starting there. And if this podcast has been meaningful to you at all, would you help us spread the word about it? This podcast is by our Cross Timbers family and for our Cross Timbers family. So if you would help us let other people know that it is a resource for them as they follow Jesus, that would be greatly appreciated. It's always fun talking with Josiah and now we've had all of our campus pastors on. So that's fun. And like I said, don't miss next week because it is going to be special. So with all that said, thanks for listening and I will see you next week.